This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 18th, episode 1799, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, horse world. Everybody up, rise and shine. It's a new day. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Here we can go again. And away we go. That's right, it's Wednesday. Thank you for joining us today. We have a guest in the studio. We have a Bruce Worsniak, and he is a fellow Florida podcaster. He does the music podcast, Now Hear This Entertainment, and a new show called Tazcam Talkback. Hi, Bruce. Good morning, Glenn. Thank you for coming all the way up here and joining us. Thank you for allowing me to penetrate the fortress. <laughs> And he got to see how everything works today and decided he doesn't want to do his own live show. <laughs> too hard. I'm, I'm already intimidated by episode 1799. <laughs> I, I was all proud of myself this morning. I launched episode 193, and then it's like, you might as well have been episode 19 compared to 1799. <laughs> hey, tomorrow will be 1800. Look at that. You know, we, we've stopped counting the hundreds after a while. You don't, you give up on those little milestones and then you go to thousands and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and we have, uh, November 1st. We have to remember this, guys. Jemmy, it's your job to remind us. Uh, it is our anniversary. It's our seventh birthday on, uh, on November 1st. Lucky seven. That's right. It is. Thank God we have Jemmy. And because there's no way either one of us would remember. And Jennifer she, wouldn't remember, so that's why we hired Jemmy, is to remember things. <laughs> she's on Wednesday well, I shows. No per- guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bruce, uh, what is Now Hear This Entertainment? And you've been doing that three years. Yes. Uh, every week I interview a guest who is having success in the entertainment business, but it's not at the level of the multimillionaires known around the world. This is people that listeners can learn from that can aspire to be like in the sense that I cater not only to fans of the guests, and I guess you could argue fans of just good music interviews in general, but I also cater to listeners who themselves are up and coming entertainers and want to learn from these people who are doing things like getting their music placed in film and television, successfully funding their music projects through crowdfunding campaigns, getting booked at better venues. There's all these types of things that all these performers are saying, I'm stuck. I can't get to the next level. I'm just in this rut where if only I could learn how to get up to the next stage of my career. And so those are the people that I'm trying to interview so that they can say, this is very doable. This is very realistic. And this this is people who are making a living doing music. But again, these aren't the multimillionaires that... In my opinion, and and lately I've started to waver on this, I feel as though if I even was able to get those types of guests on my show, 
that what could they really lend? You know, what am I going to ask Bruce Springsteen? How can you? How do you get these bookings at these great yeah, venues, Bruce? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, say I'm Bruce. So J- Jamie used to work in uh, Top Forty Radio in Atlanta, and boy, you saw probably a million of these up and comers through the years. I- I well, I certainly did, and some of them are still that I'll never forget being there. We had a big concert at the biggest venue in Atlanta, and it was hosted by our radio station. But we had like a little tiny pre concert thing out front, and it was freezing cold. It was our Christmas concert, it was so cold. And these, this girl came out and sang and danced on like in the parking lot for listeners and it was just some up and comer and we interviewed her and we were freezing to death and she's like it it was just I I felt so embarrassed for her on how hard she was having to to work and um her name is Rihanna like Hmm. Rings a bell for some reason. Yeah (laughs) I remember I I still talk to my co-host about that I'm like she was she was out there winning some uh, you know her whatever award and we're like remember when we interviewed her in the parking lot of the Christmas concert at Phillips Arena <laughs> so so a lot of them I mean everybody starts somewhere yeah and some I, stay I love and that some story don't yeah that it's, I just popped into my head but some stay and some don't and I've seen them you know some of the angriest most jaded nasty people that came into the radio station with chips on their shoulders and attitudes were. The people that won reality shows. And then you meet somebody who's like a Bruce Springsteen or somebody like that. They're the nicest people you could possibly meet. So they, some people get it. Some people don't. Yeah. And I've been fortunate. I've had some quote unquote higher profile guests on my show. I've interviewed, for example, the keyboard player for Aerosmith, the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks the drummer for Joe Walsh, the trumpet player for Billy Joel. And you're right. These people, they appreciate where they're at and they Mm -hmm. know what it took to get there. And I think without patting myself on the back, I think they appreciate the opportunity to try to talk to the people that they can say, you know what, I remember when I was there. So I'll Mm -hmm. give out a nugget or two. And the people who... They just appreciate anybody's talking to them. Um (laughs) <laughs> it it could be it could yeah. be because because everyone wants to talk to Steven Tyler yeah, right. instead of the keyboard player everyone wants to talk to Garth Brooks himself instead of the guitar player and so on so well, Bruce, you, you could be I must right I confess that I got I got to see Bruce Springsteen in concert and I was way more excited of being there to see Max Weinberg the drummer than Bruce Springsteen <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever if you ever interview Max Weinberg <laughs> Please let me know, and I will be there drooling in the corner. <laughs> well, I was going to say it might have all if you saw if you saw the boss when Clarence Clemens was still around. May his soul rest in peace. Then there might have been people there who were equally excited to see him as you were to see Max Weinberg. Yeah, you're probably right. But I was going to say that these people that have been re- on reality shows because I've had guests on my show from American Idol, from The Voice, from America's Got Talent, from The X Factor. And I think these people are coming in. They're actually being honest with me, and they're saying, it was good, however, and then they kind of tell you. I I had one guy who was on both American Idol and The Voice, and he's still kind of just stuck in the same rut, you know, up in, I want to say, like, Minnesota or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. he was basically saying... You listeners who think I just need to go on American Idol or The Voice and that'll launch me to where I need to be, absolutely not. There's so much more work ahead of you. Yeah. 
Well, oh, just yeah. like in I, podcasting, right, Jamie? Uh. Yeah, sure. No, I know my friend um, who's in Sugarland. We've had him on the show, Christian Bush. He was when they were first making their climb in Sugarland to the top. You know, I just was like, you're working so hard. He goes, if I don't do it, somebody else will. You know, yeah, if they don't yeah, fill yeah. that slot, somebody will. So they just, it's all work, work, work. So uh, I don't think it ever ends, but interesting. I'll have to listen to your hey, show. Hey, this uh, is can, can you also get Rihanna on Radiothon? We need a big guest to start. So can you make <laughs> yeah, that happen? She doesn't take my calls anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that story that you told about her, you know, in that moment, that meant so much to her. And I, and I, these are the people that I see that I'm talking to on my podcast or that I'm working with in my business that at that particular time, that is huge for them. That is everything. Talk about being in the moment. They are that that opportunity outside Phillips Arena. They don't like that it's cold, but all they know is this is an opportunity for me. I'm going to perform. The radio station's going to interview me. So, you know, I do kind of have a place in my heart for those people that, and as some of them I've, I've done, as Glenn knows, I've started to do more on location stuff. And so I get to actually see some of these people perform. And they're mm-hmm. they're pouring their heart out. I was in California in January, and we were giving artists an opportunity to perform three, maybe four songs, and then sit down and do an interview with me. And those three or four songs, it might as well have been as though they were performing for three or 4,000 people, because they know that you never know who might be there. You never know where this recording might end up. And, and, it, and it does your heart good because of the people that you just talked about that do let it go to their head and they just kind of put it on cruise control and go, oh, whatever. So basically what you're saying and what I'm hearing, Bruce, is that I helped launch Rihanna. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I That's it. Let's leave it at that. Jemmy, what is Jemmy, coming up? <laughs> she has me. All right, pay. guys. On, t- <laughs> on today's show, Stacey Steiner out in Arizona will pay us a visit. She is the Arizona liaison for the Oldenburg Registry, North America. And James from Cooper Hill Equine will be calling in from Boston. And Katie with Join Up and Lead Up International will be sharing her adventures in Guatemala. And to top it off, Jamie gives us teenage equestrian social media drama, one of a fan favorites, and reads us chapter 10 from The Opium Equation. It's a packed show, as always, today, guys. And speaking of today, today is National Chocolate Cho- Chocolate Cupcake Day oh. and National No Beard Day. So it's a good day to shave those beards and then shovel those chocolate cupcakes in your mouth with reckless abandon. Thank God, I thought she said no beer day. That's yeah, what so I thought I. she said, too. So did I. I was going to say, how do you have... No beer. No, no, no. You're that allowed to have cupcakes, but you can't have beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daily Winnie. Time. No, that would never happen. Well, my Daily Winnie goes out to somebody very special. A very happy birthday to my good friend and co-host, Jamie. Happy birthday. It's your birthday tomorrow. Now, I happen to know which number it is, and this music is the only thing I could think about. Thank you for being (laughs) a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. For those that don't know, that's the Golden Girls theme song. Yeah, her voice sounds young. I didn't know she was going to be 75 tomorrow. Gosh, that's amazing. 
the big Just get her on your show to sing the, her that song. <laughs> the big four zero, and I'm allowed to announce that because you said it the other day. So. Yes, I mean, you know what? I think that. Being that the 20s that I had were so action-packed and amazing and full of radio and fun stuff that the number 3-0 was so incredibly hard for me. But since I hit 3-0, I've met my husband, I had a kid, and I've just, I'm just stable now. I have a home and I can afford groceries. And so <laughs> now I feel like 40s not going to hurt that bad because it's just, uh, who am I kidding? It's going to suck. <laughs> <gasps> No, you're in good shape. You're married to a fighter pilot. You're on the number one equestrian radio show in the world. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to help you there. Uh, and so what else can I do for your ego? You have a beautiful son. Um, and? You have 12 crazy horses. Uh, 47 horses. And <laughs> 962 chickens. <laughs> All you do is feed and uh, clean poop all day, pretty much. That's pretty much life. what I do. Yeah, that's your life. And you know what? You're stuck with it now for the next 40 years. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. You know what? Uh, I'll do my daily Winnie to you then, Glenn. Okay, Hit good. It. All right. I'm going to give you my daily Winnie because as a female in radio, I appreciate having a job at the age of 40. Okay. Because <laughs> most of them get fired when they turn 30 because they're not the young, fun little blonde bimbo anymore. It's like going to go to the club on a Saturday night. Okay. I don't know anything about that. What would I be talking about? Okay. Thanks. Um, well, wait a minute yeah, though. Thanks. Wait a minute. Your birthday's tomorrow. Isn't oh, pink God. slip day usually Friday? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're too old you're fired okay don't go to the mailbox on friday yeah <laughs> or if you, you do don't account. open anything that's from glenn oh you know what she's going to ireland she won't know for a week anyway so and we have a whole I'll bunch of my placement co-hosts for her next week maybe i'll like one of them better you never know hey if you think that glenn should shut up you put it on facebook right now so shut up glenn <laughs> Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. And did you see what I got for my birthday? No, my I did not. Husband? No. Okay, go to my Facebook page. He got me a pony cart. He it's did? Happening. Did he get you the one you were looking at? He got me the pony cart. Yeah, he came driving in the, the driveway with it yesterday. And uh, Oh, he actually went I'm out and been... bought it himself without your knowledge? Yes, he did. Isn't he amazing? Well, so one of my friends had posted on Facebook, and I was like, I want this. And he's like, whatever you don't need some stupid pony card that's crazy why are you doing that of course he goes out and buys it because he's awesome you know so. that is a actually that's a nice little uh, jog cart uh, Thank you. Yeah, that's a nice. Look. And he looks good in harness pulling that, your husband. <laughs> All I need to do is get Precious Magic Gallop Jennings' belly to be a little narrower, and she'll fit perfect. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to our first guest. All right. Fantastic. We've got Stacy on and Stacy, thank you so much for coming on because we've been trying to connect for quite some time now uh, about the Oldenburg inspections and baby Zara was supposed to go to the Oldenburg inspections uh, last, I think October 1st, but as our listeners know, she got very, very, very sick, struck down with a virus and was unable to go. She was feeling better, but my vet thought it was not a good idea to bring some germs over to all the babies that were at the inspection. So we'll say good morning to Stacy and rub salt in my wound of my uninspected baby. Thank you. <laughs> good morning. Well, <laughs> the baby's okay, right? 
She is. She's all better now. She's running and bucking and playing and does not have a brand on her hip. So he's yay. Well, is that the last time next year? So yeah. Well, what do we do? What, what do I do now, Stacy? So now you would uh, just bring her to the inspection next year as a yearling. Uh, As a yearling, they don't get a score necessarily, but you can get them branded and get their registration papers. We so she had two uh, things come in this year. I ended up. I saw somebody on Facebook post. Oh, my baby got high score of the show, da, 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 da. and I'm like, girl, I'd have taken your baby down. Okay, <laughs> you're lucky I wasn't there. <laughs> Jamie's not competitive at all, by the way, Stacy. No, not like, at all. my baby's prettier than your baby. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about the Oldenburg breed and registry. What is it? So so this particular registry, the ISR Oldenburg registry, um, started in 83, and it's just in the United States. There's other warm blood registries that are affiliated with their original registry in Europe, um, but this one was started here in the States and does conform to what the Oldenburg Registry uh, has typically done. So that's where the Oldenburg name has come in. Gotcha. Okay. So it was founded in 1983. So it's not, not affiliated with the European breed, but I mean, there's so many Oldenburg NA is what they're called. I see advertisements and everything like that. Well, so now the Oldenburg N.A., um, there's just a little bit of politics here. Um, The Oldenburg N.A. actually started in the States, I think, in the late 80s or early 90s. And they are actually the North American arm of the Oldenburg Registry in Germany. Okay. And there, it was interesting, they're kind of a competitor, to the ISR Oldenburgs, but the Olden the ISR Oldenburgs were the first um, to use the Oldenburg name as a registry in the states. Uh, there was there was some factionalism. I think even some of, one of the inspectors from ISR Oldenburg started Oldenburg NA. I'm not that familiar with that arm of it, um, but they are two different registries. Okay, so we've I've got a horse and I've got this baby and she is 10 months old. Why is it better to have her registered <laughs> and inspected? It's so you have um obviously you have registration papers. Um now with the USEF you have proof of age and um and then you have the legitimacy of your breeding program or, you know, how you actually bred that mare mm-hmm. or that filly. So the well, warm blood registries are open registries. So what that, what that means is that you don't necessarily have to be an Oldenburg to get into the registry. So it's a bit different than what we know in the States where if you, if you're going to have a quarter horse, you breed two purebred quarter horses. If you want an Arab, you breed two purebred Arabs. With the open registries, they what they're really after is um, a performance horse for sport. And so what, what they're doing, and one of the reasons they're open, is to take the best performance athletes we have 
and keep them in the registry. And then most registries have a goal in mind or a type that they're looking for, and that's how they keep the registry relatively pure. But the idea is to bring in the best athletes and the best performance horses for the registry to keep that registry going. So, so that's if, the inspection process as well. Okay. So if, if I have a horse that's papered and, uh, and I breed it to a stallion that's papered, I don't automatically get a pa- papered baby. You can get a registered baby. Um, some of them, some of the rules and some of the registries are a little bit different about getting them registered. Um, but for getting them approved and scored, you need to go through the inspection process. Okay. And I can do that as a yearling, but I'm not going to get her scored, just registered. Right. And with yearlings, yearlings can be so awkward, um, they used to score yearlings and then just got a lot of flack about how they were scoring them. So they decided to not do the score, but allow the yearling to get the, you know, the registration and the branding. Gotcha. Okay. So this is, uh, this is great. So um, how does the score and scoring come into play for the baby's life and career? Do I go, Oh, my baby is like got 99 forever. Do I tell people that? Um. You These are bragging rights? Can. Yeah, it's great bragging rights. Um, I mean, I've bragged about mine for sure. Um, it <laughs> helps in marketing. It helps in marketing and selling them, you know, that you've been, you know, your baby's been inspected, you know, by a knowledgeable person in the registry and, you know, believes that they're, you know, going to go on to a good performance career. Um, but at the end of the day, the score you know, basically stays, you know, in the, in the record book, but it's like your paperwork doesn't look any different because you had a high score. Okay. So paper doesn't say, you know, uh, high score Philly for the, for the, um, inspection or something. The higher scored, uh, babies will get a premium status and that will follow them, um, on their paperwork. But it doesn't say, you know, you were an 8.2 versus, a, you know, 8.0. But it also doesn't really guarantee that they're really going to be good at anything, right? Or that they're going to be champions. Precisely. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but if, but like, if they didn't have, if they had terrible feet, would they get turned out of the registry? They don't get turned out. They just, um, they just don't get a high score. Gotcha. They they're not premium. Yeah, you don't get them papered and branded. Um, yeah, and the idea is, uh, you know, to have good confirmation that's going to last, that's going to perform, you know, good straight legs, um, you know, and various confirmation features that you'd want either for dressage or jumpers. And there is like a, a hunter, of, uh, like you can affiliate with a hunter breeding um, gotcha. as well now, which is a, which is pretty new. Gotcha. Well, wonderful, Stacey. This is great. So we will, I guess, have to see you next year. Um, <laughs> the next day, next inspection. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit complicated. And, and the last thing I would tell you too, since you have a Philly, um, having a registered ISR Oldenburg Philly, uh, doesn't 
get that filly into the mare book for breeding. So stallions go into the stud book and are approved for breeding by the registry. Mares, when she's three, you can bring her back and have her inspected to go into the mare book, and that makes her an approved mare for breeding going forward. The score and the registration as a filly doesn't put her in the mare book. We get a lot of confusion about that. Um, well, that's okay. We don't need we don't need to breed her because she's going to be so super busy doing the Land Rover Kentucky three day event um, and training for go. that. So, can <laughs> <laughs> be a career girl, <laughs> <laughs> career girl, not a mama. Yeah, thank you, Stacy. We'll talk to you again. We'll talk to you again before the next one next year. See if I'm ready yet. All right. Thanks. All right, Stacy. Bye. Bye. She's going to be a career girl. I yes. love it. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to have to work for a living. Glenn, why don't they do inspections over Skype video? Yeah, see? You could just send a video. Couldn't they do that? Or you well, could just I'm hold rich. your phone or your tablet up and go, look, here's a live. I'm panning. Right. This is my That's camera. Right. Look, my baby looks fine. She's not sick anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to a tech guy to figure that out. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, is that a, is that a, a, a business slash tech question or is that a non-horse person question? I think it's a, why do we have to, you're right. Why do we have to bring babies anywhere anymore with uh, technology? Oh, it's so stressful. But it's like going to a horse show. It's kind of like a little show. Yeah. Yeah. And people enjoy it. That's true. All We're right, trying let's... to have fun. Get get people out from out behind their computers. Okay, <laughs> Bruce. What fun is that? <laughs> why 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 get out from behind the computer? That's I don't Jim, understand. That's that why make Jimmy sense and I started a new show so we both could leave the back of the computer. That's why. <laughs> Well, we're going to uh, take a break here. We have a product review for you. One of our terrific auditors reviewed the Troxel, a Troxel Western helmet from Horse Lovers, and Jennifer did this one. We're going to hear that. We're coming back. We're going to talk to the good folks at Cooper's Hill, my friend James, and you're going to be your new friend when you head over there. Mm-hmm. He's going to be taking care of you. Make sure you don't die, Jamie. He's going to make sure you don't die. Good time. That's his job. We'll be right back. I am here with Anne-Marie Bruins, and we're going to talk about what product, Anne-Marie? The Troxel TX Western Helmet. Ooh, Western. Now, see, Western Helmet, as soon as you say that, it brings up visions of Yosemite Sam. It brings up visions of Yosemite Yosemite. Sam. And that's not what this is, is it? (laughs) No. So tell us about the Troxel TX Western Helmet. Well, it's like a lot of the other Troxel helmets that have the dial fit system in with it. And it's a very like low profile looking. It kind of looks similar to the, the Tipperary helmets when they first started coming out. Mm-hmm. I would compare it to. Yeah, they kind of have a um, contour thing around, like around your ear. They go a little bit lower on the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not as low as the Tipperary helmets do. Mm-hmm. My my Sam Shield definitely goes a lot lower than the, this one. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because of the dial fit, so it doesn't fit quite as low. Mm-hmm. And is this, does it, is it a velvet show helmet? Is it a plasticky shiny helmet? It's more of like the plasticky kind of like helmet that you kind of wear just to bang around in mm-hmm. more of like for like the pleasure rider that just wants to go out or someone who is like competitive that likes the colorful helmets probably. All right. Mm-hmm. So does it have, what kind of a harness does it have? Cause there's different helmets have different kind of harnesses. Sometimes they're, 
uh, leather. Sometimes they're nylon. Sometimes they have a little chin cup thing. It's nylon with like kind of a fabric-y type protector around it. And it's the plastic clasp one. It's not like the button that a lot of the Charles Owens have, but it's more of a, more of a plastic nylon harness. So it's got a pl- it's got the easy kind of clasp that you can open with one hand. You don't have to get help. Yeah, that's nice. I yeah. hate those kind of clasps where it's like, excuse me, can you unbuckle my help for me? Yeah, don't need that. Yeah, you need like a someone with like a degree in engineering to get it off. <laughs> <laughs> don't need that hassle. And is this a vented helmet or a non-vented helmet? It is a vented helmet. Now, in your part of the world, is a vented helmet essential or is a vented helmet a luxury? It, it's kind of a luxury. We, I live up in, um, in like the Northeast. I live in New York. Um, so like the winter months, it won't be that nice because my head will just get really cold. <laughs> <laughs> well, your head's going to be cold regardless of what hat you wear in upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yes. Alrighty. Now, when you ordered your helmet, you kind of had an idea of what size helmet you wore because you've worn helmets previously. Do you feel like the, hel- the, the helmet size ran true? I would say it runs a little bit small for my shape head because I got the small because I was like, I'm that size that straddles two sizes. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, and since it's a dial fit, I'm like, well, I can go a size smaller mm-hmm. and see how it fits. It, but I always thought I had a weird shaped head. So I always <laughs> thought that the helmets fit weird. <laughs> so you think um, they maybe so run a little bit one. small? They they probably can, depending on, like, what helmets you're used to and what size, like, the shape of your head is. So you think this would be a good helmet for somebody who wants to uh, ride for pleasure or wants something really psychedelic and cool to do barrel racing or gymkhana with? Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely more of the pleasure or, like, the fun riding type. Fun and crazy. This would be cool to wear cross-country because it's kind of cool colors. Yeah, like if your colors are like pink and like this teal blue, because it's got like a little bit of teal blue through it. Yeah, they, and it comes in three different color combinations. It's pink and black, uh, black on black, and blue and black. And my personal favorite is the blue on black. It really just makes me think of a uh, a transformer. It, I think this would genuinely appeal to your average <laughs> nine year old boy. That's I'm just saying. Yeah, there's not enough colors for like boys out there. There's not enough stuff for boys in general in the horse industry. I would tend to agree with you. And I think they might have hit the mark with this Troxel TX Western, at least the blue and the black colors. Now, as we do this review, I am here on horselovers.com and the Troxel TX Western helmet, it comes in blue Raptor and pink Riot and black, and it is $69.95 online. And you can find it at horselovers.com. And thank you very much for doing our product review today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I know we do those reviews and people always ask, how do I get to be a reviewer? Well, you become an auditor of the Horse Radio Network. Go to horseradionetwork.com. There's an auditor banner on the right side of the page. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can join the cool kids in the auditor room on Facebook and also have the opportunity and get free stuff. But you have to come on the air and talk to us about it. So thank you to Horse Lovers. That's horselovers.com. Horse Lovers with a Z. 
So Jamie's taking a little trip starting Friday. She decided to go overseas and visit a country that just got hit by hurricane. Good timing there, Jamie. Um, mm. But we met uh, a friend of ours by the name of James from Cooper Hill Equine a couple of years ago on the Stable Scoop Show. And uh, they've been gracious. They've been following our shows ever since. And James, thank welcome to the show, my friend. Well, well it's nice to be back, guys. How are y'all it's good to talk to you. Now, you're in Boston? I'm in Boston at the moment on my way to uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, we'll be going to visit with the Bridal Spur, who have their 90th year anniversary as a hunt. Oh, wow. So you're going hunting over there? Yeah. I mean, I've heard about all these coyotes and how they do it, and it, it sounds so interesting, and I was fortunate enough to have met some people from Bridal Spur, uh, Master Jean Mutreau, and her daughter, Abby, and of course her husband came along, Chris, as well, to visit with us in Ireland, and we, we kind of got on well, you know, the, it's the kind of a situation where these hunts people, we're all the same, really, and we're just a, an extension of a, a larger family, really. And what so he means by... time with them and they hunted. What he means by we're all the same Say is... Again. What you mean by we're all the same is we're all crazy. That's basically what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I like to put it this way, slightly touched. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear you've yeah. been talking to my good, good my co-host of of seventeen, almost eighteen hundred episodes now, and she's heading over there now. I have a request: whatever you do, can yeah. you make sure she at least comes back alive with her vocal cords? I don't care about uh, the rest of her parts. Well, okay, James. <laughs> well, she's going to be slightly touched when she comes back. So her <laughs> vocal cords will change. You know, so um, we've actually put on a very nice hunt. Uh, we've informed the master that she wants to jump many and very high and uh, <laughs> as frequently as possible choking of course and now we have a very nice day put on for you all and I've informed Master David Burke of the Grala Harriers and the secretary his uh, sister Lorraine Burke of the Grala Harriers and they're the most wonderful people you could ever meet and, and I mean that sincerely and it's why I pay my membership every year and I'm up front running down the road trying to get in there before everybody else and saying that this is the guy to hunt behind if you don't if if there's anything else to know about hounds, I don't think once visiting with him, you'll need to know it. Wow, that's going to be so amazing. So, James, what can I expect for my my trip and my hunt? What am I going to see and everything? Um, well, it's going to be a little bit special for you because um, I asked them to be very nice to you. <laughs> They'll let you ride up close to see where the hounds are going and what they're doing. There'll be a, a couple of guys in there that'll t- explain a little bit about what exactly the hounds are doing at a particular time. And maybe if you're lucky, with certain calls that, be, that are made on the horn by the master, David Burke, um, you might be able to understand what's going to happen next or what is happening at that time. Like um, he's gone to ground and a certain sound is made or he's gone away and a certain sound is made or we're gathering up and a certain sound is made. So certain things like that. And also skills, um, certain skills which we teach in a clinic prior to hunting normally of where to put your horse as the master rides by because you can never have your horse's butt facing the master if he ever kicks out and um, that's the end of your day. Um, and things like that. You know, just little things to make it safe. We're all about safety. The thing that Americans often find is, oh, they're crazy over there. They go so fast and they jump so high. That's actually not true. We go very carefully and steadily, and we jump in orderly fashion only because mm-hmm. you have to jump at one point, and if anything happens while someone's jumping in front of you, you have to have enough distance. You have to hold your horse up long enough for them to clear the area, and then the next person goes. That's how it is, really. 
for hunting with us in Ireland. Which he d- he is didn't set, He didn't take out the jump really high part. He left that in. Did you notice that, Jamie? <laughs> That's totally <laughs> fine. I'm here to be a part of it and to take whatever's coming. I, you know, how many times am I going to get to do this? So I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll get addicted and come back every year. But this is going to be amazing. I have a funny feeling you will. <laughs> now what, I'm James, can excited. I ask what they hunt, what this hunt hunts? Uh, it's a live fox hunt. Um, so basically, uh, once the once they draw on a fox, which is a they go to a cover, an area of brush or a den or something, they bolt a fox, and whatever direction he takes, that's where you're going. Run, fox, run! <laughs> and what's the countryside yeah. like, James? Where she's going to be hunting? Countryside. Uh, there's ticket. There's um, bullfinch type fences. Uh, which is basically um, a stone wall with a, a hedge going over top of it. You can get some of those. You can get a straight stone wall. So it's it's you're going in the west country of Ireland where there'll be stone walls to jump. Now it won't be. It, they're not going to kill you, obviously. And the horse that you'll be on is an expert. So if you stay with the horse, they, you have a great day. You know, don't ever question your horse in Ireland. <laughs> the horse knows more than the rider. Okay, so just basically grab mane and kick. Grab mane and hold on. Don't need to kick the Irish horses. <laughs> Don't kick Irish horses. Oh, my God. They'll be up beside the mat, passing them out looking for the hounds. <laughs> but, yeah, no, basically, stay with the horse. And the um, the Irish horse knows his job very well. Uh, we oh. teach them over and over. And, and the way we coach them is, well, we all know horses are all about self-preservation. So they'll mind themselves and, you know, They'll do the best they can to keep you safe. That's the key to it. Okay, fantastic. Just hang on and stay with them. Okay, that's my good advice. Now, um, I did get some advice as far as drinking goes. Am I required to have a full flask? No, and I wouldn't drink either. I never do if it's a, a good hunt. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually opposed to it myself. Personal, personal thing because if you have a, a strong day's hunting, you want your wits about you. You do not gotcha. want to be drinking, you know. In you in Ireland, the, usually, usually the drink was for when it got really, really cold and damp, just something to stop the shaking. You, you get that cold, you, you shake, you know, so you have a little sip of something just to warm you. Okay, gotcha. Good. I'm actually not very good at drinking and riding, so I was a bit nervous. <laughs> I would do it. I would do it. And the other thing about that, a little insider tip for you now, a lot of people don't know this, but if you buy a hip flask, don't put it in your jacket pocket. It is the number one cause of broken ribs when you do take a fall. Mm. Okay. I didn't even think about burst, that. Uh, the, canister, yeah, the canister is at a uh, pointed spot, drives at that point right into your ribs and cracks one of them usually. There is a little gadget you can get on your saddle if you do need, if it's a cold day and you do need a little something to keep you um, warm. And um, it's a kind of a leather holder, and you clip it to the D-ring, and, and you can ride away with it there safely. There, and then everybody sees that you're a complete alcoholic, so good yeah. times. Jennifer. <laughs> that, that, that's a misnomer. I noticed that they drink a lot in America here. Um, <laughs> at, yeah. at the, like, they go and they have a little party in the morning, and then they go and they ride for an hour, an hour or two. And yeah. that's all cool. That's the way they do it. That's a different focus to us. We'll actually go into the pub in the morning where we meet. We may have one drink, and that 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 drink is basically just to be, well, one's to calm the nerves, and the other is to keep the the cool the cool air. It just uh, keeps it away from you a little bit, you know. Just keep you warm. It's not ten or fifteen 
link. Then you're out, you get the horse ready. And, I mean, out of respect, you shouldn't be, you know, inebriated on your animals here to take care of you because you'll get them in a, in a problem and that's not fair on the horse. So I, I'd be against that. I'd have one drink and that's it and no more. Then you go out in your field, you have your bit of courage and your bit of um, heat up and off you go to your first wall. And once you have your first wall done, it's all plain sailing after that. You know what the horse is all about. All right. This is so Hey, exciting. James, okay. I, I have a question Jeez. real quick. How many fields? We were talking about this the other day. How many fields does this hunt have? When, when you say, oh, no, we don't do fields in Ireland. Oh, okay. Well. No, yeah, yeah. You, you either can do it or you die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you get into, like, this is when you said fields to me, how many fields do you have? Well, there's 40 or 50 fields, and there's how many walls at the end of each field? There's two walls at the end of Oh, Jesus Christ, fields. That's what we know as fields. Over here, you guys have uh, first field, second field, optional, jumping out. And then you have the hilltoppers and things like that. Yeah. Right. Well, flats and hilltoppers. Um, so we don't do that. If you're, we're there to hunt. We're purists in that sense. If you can't, don't, because it's not fair. And the rest <laughs> of the crew, you could get hurt. Um, you know. Oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. What, what to expect? What to expect, Jamie? Is a chauffeur will pick you up at your hotel. That's Tony. He's our number one choice. Great guy. A lot of fun. He'll bring you out to the meet and have you so nervous you'll be shaking before you get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you'll get to the pub or the meet point and you'll maybe a drink if you're lucky. And um, they'll introduce you to your horse. Now, that's the part where you, you, you size up your horse, you size up your equipment, you make sure everything is working right, double check everything before you head off, especially your girt. And then off you go. Um, with the hounds out in front of the master and the master will give some instruction of this is what I expect from you today. I want you to do it. If not, there's the, put your horse back in the truck and we'll meet you after. And basically the horse you'll be on will be an old hand and he'll follow the hunt, follow the hounds. He'll do his job perfectly. You'll come to your first jump. You'll take it. You'll wait around a little bit while the foxes are trying to be bolted from a certain area, thicket, uh, uh, covert or whatever, and the, the hounds are looking for scent, they'll go, when they'll make a cry, the hounds, I love that cry, that's what gets me going, and keeps me coming back, and the cry you follow, and you'll be brought on to follow that cry by the field master, and the sound of the horn, the sound of the horn is a signal, it's going to happen, then you look for your master, field master brings you on, then there's a series of jumps again, then the fox tends to go to its other cover, which is um, in a couple, within a couple of miles of where the first one he was drawn from. He'll go to ground. Then they'll decide on what to do. And based on what they decide to do, you'll either wait around or move on again to another cover. You know, and that's how it goes. And that's the whole day is like that. It's not flat to the boards. Go, 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 go. It's actually purist. It's live. Wherever the fox goes, we go. If the fox stops, we stop. And then we wait and we try and draw him again and go again. I always akin it to... I always, Jamie, I always akin it to a Saturday night for a guy. It's all about the chase and not the kill. <laughs> <laughs> so but when anyway. we get started, do you get started really early in the morning? How long will this go? Uh, usually three or four hours in the autumn time. Um, okay. in, I've been on a hunt that started at 11 a.m. and finished at 5 p.m. in the dark and took jumps in the dark. And uh, the coolest thing about that is when they were jumping, sparks were flying off the horse's shoes at the bottom as they took off. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. But you won't be going on that one, obviously. And then what do I wear? So it's a typical girl. um, Rat catcher, 
at this at this time in the season, it's rat catcher. So you know, do you understand the rat catcher? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, that's it. Clad like that. If you like a body protector and you have a favorite, bring them with you. If it gives you more comfort or you're more, it gives you confidence or whatever. Does <laughs> anybody else different... have one? On? Hey, James, I think that might be required by your boss. To be honest. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, nobody, nobody else will have one. But if there's an American person, the more than likely will. Challenge. They're scared. They're scared. But you're scared out of their heads. But it's not that bad. It's it's more contained. It's conservative. Both your jumps are jumps. They're not twigs on the ground. But the animals ain't jump it that way. You know, they're they're schooled in that. Just hang on and follow my trusty mount. Do you know my horse's name yet? Um, well, they're trying to. They're, it depends on which one they get more oats into before you get there. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. I don't know which one has been picked by the master for you, but he's going to pick a very special one for you. Oh my gosh! I'm so excited. Yeah. it's going to be awesome, Jamie. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, you're going. Your whole day will be just. You'll be totally looked after. The guys are absolutely wonderful. They'll make you feel like family, and they'll tell you bits about what's going on. The rest of the field, good people. Like you, once you're part of it, you're part of it, and you're part of us, and we make you feel that way. Hi, James. I just got a couple of messages, and Jamie too. I just got a couple of messages from our listeners that are listening live. I want to know how they can go over and do this amazing thing? But they can, right? That's what you're all about. It's very easy. Yeah, that's what we do. I'm here as an international coordinator now, visiting with Bridal Spur and introducing myself to them to let them know um, what what to do to get over there and how to do a clinic and learn about your horse and then the following day do a hunt. So basically just contact us on coopershillequine at gmail.com. That's C-O-O-P-E-R-S-H-I-L-L-E-Q-U-I-N-E at gmail.com. And we take care of the rest. We ask you about your experience. We ask you how much riding you do regularly. Then we have a selection of horses we pick from to match your level. So we ha- last year we had... Um, Last February, we had uh, the North Hunt over. We had Septo and Octogenarians, and all had a horse, and all hunted with two different hunts, and had a fantastic time. Uh, Tom Lewis, the master, came over and organized it with us, and Dominic Camarada, and a few others like that, and they just raved about it, so they'll be coming back soon, you know. Okay, if, well, if, if somebody who's 80 can do it, and they're American, I think I can do it, Glenn. No yeah, I think problem. you can do it, too. I do. And you can find him at Cooper's Hill. Give Equine. me a bonus. On Facebook, too. Cooperstillequine at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook under the same name. And, Jamie, you're going to have the most fantastic time of your life. I promise you that. And on Mark. And if if anybody's interested, if anybody's interested, take a look at what they say about us on TripAdvisor. We match the horses to you, and they're very enthusiastic on TripAvisor. And someone once asked me, I said, who writes your TripAdvisor reviews? What do you mean? People that come to ride. But they're all so good. Real quick, what does my husband do for the day? Should I send him to play golf or should I make him follow us around? No, 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 no. He needs to have the camera with him. He needs to follow you all and and be very proud of his wife. Okay. Is there a car? Is he going to have to hike? Should I get him some new hiking shoes? We're going to have either a four by four, um, a quad, and he can sit on the back with his camera. He can even bring his interviewing equipment and he can interview the master out in the field or the um, this hunt secretary and just have quick interviews and ask them what's going on now and hear the sound of the hounds in the background. He can do whatever he wants. We're going to make it happen for you all. In fact, that would be the ideal thing for him to do is have the camera, uh, the camera and a little microphone and just 
snaps and, and chats and you know, make it a very special day. For hey, everybody. there we go. He'll be your reporter on the ground. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's a great idea. Way to go. It's the way to go. And, but people need to hear the sound of the hounds. It's amazing. It makes your blood curl. Right as I speak, I'm getting because the season started. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's just an amazing feeling. And the horses, they really, really do their job very well. And, you know, they've been doing it all their lives, bred for it. And it's all about giving you a great day of sport and having a great fun while you're doing it. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to come right now. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. <laughs> I know. You're covered. We got you covered. So you get over there. We'll start it all out. And all you have to do is show up and have your gear on. We'll and do James, you'll, you'll be there? We'll be able to ride together? You won't be riding with me. You'll be riding with the master. But um, my crew are looking after you. And um, they'll send you out to the master. And everything else will be taken care of. Unfortunately, you have to be at Bridal Spur to do um, my little bit of uh, chit-chat with all the people who want to come over and visit with us because there's a lot of interest. And uh, I'm just going to arrange things and let them meet me. And, and sometimes it's nicer, nicer to meet the people in person. You know how it goes. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, James, I can't thank you enough. And we will uh, we'll have you guys again on afterwards so you can give me a public shaming or a public good grade on how I did. Well, I think I think what you should do is get yourself on afterwards and just talk about it and see, <laughs> uh, you know, let the other American, pe- American people see what it's really like. You're going to be able to do it. You're going to do something very special that not a lot of people have done. And you'll come back wearing the badge. And that's a, a great honor to, to be able to do that and see you hunted in Ireland and survive in Quebec. And I know you will. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you so much for, for hosting me. I appreciate it. Thank you, James. It's good You're to talk very, to you again welcome. and have fun, uh, have fun in the middle of our country. Yeah, mm-hmm. take a look at us on Facebook, Cooper's Hill Equine. And we got all our stuff there, lots of hunts, lots of videos. We also have a YouTube channel you can check out, Cooper's Hill Equine. And all the stuff and all the hunts should be there on that. Thanks, James. Excellent. As always, Thanks, James. it's fun. Take care, guys. All right, take, take care. care. Bye, bye. Glenn, I learned something important today. Yeah, don't kick Irish horses. Yeah, or no, yeah, you yeah. don't. Yeah, don't. The, the, the don't way he, that too. The way he said it, it was it was both his delivery as well as the fact that he said it a couple times. Yeah, like that's. If I learn nothing else today, they say you learn something new every day. Don't kick Irish horses. I'm I'm picturing like this this real sec, this real seminal moment that I'm going to have with my stepson. I'm going to say, son. You know, this is it. You're a man now. You're going off on your own. And, and and I've given you a lot of advice since I married your mom. But son, out of everything I've told you, if there's only one thing you remember from me, please, son, don't kick Irish horses. All right? I love you, buddy. Here's This is for you, Jamie. Too. Okay. And that was uh, audio from an actual hunt in Ireland. So there you go. Oh my gosh. This uh, James sold me. <laughs> I'm in. I'm so excited. Isn't he fun? He's a fun yeah. guy. And I think you're going to have, he apparently has things set up for you, including that hospital room at the end of the day is already booked. So you're <laughs> good to go. Off. You're going to come out. You know that badge he was talking about? It's actually that thing they put around your wrist at the hospital. That's. <laughs> I, I just don't want to end up with the story like Leslie Wiley. And then we had a rotational fall. fall. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, you don't want that. So do I wear the vest or do I go like a straight up boy, on Irish? Uh, boy, I don't know. That's up to your, how, do you value your ribs? I think I'll make my husband decide. He'll, he'll, oh, you know what he's going to say? He's going to say the same thing I would say. Wear the damn vest. Yeah, but he might be like, don't be a, what? don't be a American wussy. Yeah, he's a fighter pilot. He'd wear a yeah. vest. <laughs> They make him wear a vest. It I'm, sounds I'm, so cool. He's going to have such a great time, by the way, because I hilltopped at Myopia all the time, and we actually helped stop traffic at crossroads and stuff. And when you're standing at the top of a hill, and you're looking down a valley, and you see the hounds go first, and you hear them long before you ever see them. You you hear the hounds, you see the hounds, and then you see the pink coats go, and then you see the rest of the field coming behind, and then you see them jumping those jumps one at a time. It, it, I'm getting goosebumps right now it is an amazing amazing sight and that's why there's a million portraits and paintings of fox hunting because it's the coolest damn thing (laughs) i have those pictures i have two giant fox hunting paintings in my and i've only really ever been in what you got would call a a dead last in a couple fox hunts i don't even think i saw a hound from where i was and i was probably pretty drunk so i'm excited to hunt sober And to kind of absorb the feeling, I want to have a GoPro with me somehow. I don't know. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be amazing. Well, Wendy, who was listening this morning, Dr. Wendy, who's hunted all over the world, said, Amen to this Irish guy. You either hunt or you don't. That is what I like about it. There's no babysitting. (laughs) You go put your horse. You go right there and put your horse back in the trailer. You're going to have a blast. I can't wait. And I hope you can get Chad to do some little interview. You're going to be too busy trying to stay on. So I hope you can get Chad to do some little interviews and stuff. I'm sure he'll do that for us. I'm sure he will. He's going to be our our on-camera reporter here. Roving reporter, Chad Jennings. It'll be fun to hear your your view of it after and then also listen to the audio at the same time. That'll be be a good time. I'm so excited for you because I've seen Jennifer do it for so many years, so many hunts. And I'm so excited for you. You're going to have a blast. Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled. And for all the animal rights people out there, they never catch the damn fox. The fox is too smart for them. (laughs) There is nobody. I'll I'll be like, get off that fox. They never catch the fox. And on the flip side of of the animal rights people, if you do film it with a GoPro, make sure you put a disclaimer that says, no show hosts were were harmed Harmed in the the filming of this this video. video. (laughs) Right? There's a better chance of that than catching a fox, actually. (laughs) All right, let's take a break for a song. We're coming back, and hopefully we're going to have Katie on, right? We tried to get on yes. Monday? Okay. Well, we're going to try again. All right, we'll try and get Katie on for Guatemala. And we have social media drama, too. Oh, yeah, okay. And But first, you know, we had Britta and Brooke on, who were from Rhythm Rampage, and they're one of your people that you introduced us to. And actually, I had them on my show back when they were known as the Redheads, and then they changed their name, and they moved... Again, because they've lived all over the country, but they live in California now, and now they're known as as Rhythm Rampage. And we had them on the show earlier. They have a song called Wild Horses, which I thought was appropriate for Jamie's adventure next week. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back. Way. 
That's Rhythm Rampage. You can find all of their music at rhythmrampage.com. That's where you can find them. Well, I think it is time if you're ready, Jamie. Uh, by the way, you're listening to Horses in the Morning. I'm Glenn Geek here with Jamie Jennings. We have Bruce in the studio as well, a fellow podcaster from Tampa. He does a show that actually introduced us to that group, Rhythm Rampage, called Now Hear This Entertainment. Yes, I am at nhte.net if anyone wants to look up the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast, and there's links there to get it from all the different platforms like iTunes and all the others. NHTE.net, it obviously stands for Now Hear This Entertainment. 
Very good. If you want to hear a little bit about uh, the upcoming artists and musicians in the world, that's where you can go. Well, it is time. That's right. We, we, we missed it on Monday. Usually it's a Monday thing. And now it's time for Teenage Social Media Drama. Remember, if you don't listen to Mondays, these are rants that are posted on radio, on, on Facebook pages by teenagers or on their Instagram or Snapchat or something like that. <sighs> Channel teenage, inner teenage monologue. <clears throat> OMG, you guys, you are not going to believe this. So. I was in a horse show this weekend and not like I am being a sort of loser or anything, but the horse that won was so fat. I mean, like seriously, a super fat horse beats all of the thin ones. That is totally ridiculous. I was like, what? That horse is as fat as can be. I think it was about to pop open and the judge like felt sorry for it or whatever. <laughs> Did it pop open? I don't know Hello? because I wasn't there and I didn't see it <laughs> afterwards because I like went back to my trailer because I was like so mad. Like how like I'm gonna, like it's I'm fat shaming a horse. Yes, I know it. But like they should not be winning the classes if they're like totally fat. When you start off with not like I'm being a sore loser, it you're means you're being a sore, a sore loser. loser. It's just like I once heard somebody say, when somebody starts off a sentence with no disrespect, oh, God. somebody's about to get disrespected. <laughs> All right, Jamie, you have your guest on, I hope. All right, fantastic. Let's see, Katie, are you there? Oh, she was there two seconds ago. Try her again. Hello? Katie. Yes, hi. Yay, we get to talk. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Where in the world are you right now? Uh, I'm in Guatemala, Antigua, Guatemala. Antigua, Guatemala. And you don't have a Guatemalan accent. So tell everybody actually where you're from. Um, I'm from the UK. Um, I was, yeah, actually born in Canada, but I spent most of my life in the UK and I came to visit here about 20 years ago. And, uh, you'll find that there are a lot of expats who live here in Antigua who came to visit on holiday and, and never left. <laughs> it's, it's a nice life. It's, it's very, uh, easy to slip into here. Now I, I, we met, um, yeah. at dinner out in California one night and you had right. just some of the most amazing stories, but let's tell everybody what lead up international is. Uh, well, lead up, um, has the, the mission of, uh, reducing and preventing violence in the community. Uh, we work with vulnerable youth and we help them discover nonviolence through interactions with horses um, and with the join-up experience that I know you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, and we help them to learn more about themselves, to um, become more observant of their actions, um, develop uh, self-knowledge, and to develop um, this inner peace and inner strength that, that we all have, um, but so few know how to access. So through exercises that we do with the horses, and through uh, additional exercises 
they learn how to basically control themselves in the face of adversity. And through this, they manage to reduce violence in their lives, not only through their actions, but through the, the impact they have on others around them. So we're really uh, striving to, to actively reduce violence and, and uh, prevent violence in, in the communities that need it the most. Mm-hmm. So what are the people like down there? Um, I, I just remember you talking about a lot of the men. Kind of paint a picture of what the typical Guatemalan man looks like or acts like. Well, to be honest, there's not really a typical Guatemalan man because it's a country full of diversity and we have the indigenous population and the Ladino population and the Latino population. Um, But we started the program by doing a pilot program in communities of horse owners who own working equines. Um, And there are still uh, somewhere like 50 million working equines in, in the world. And I'm involved on the board of um, the Brook Partner Program. So the Brook, the Brook strives to improve the work, the welfare of the working equines in developing countries. And we started in communities where these horse owners and handlers um, were generally perpetrators of violence as well. Everyone is a is a victim of violence in in one way or the other. And of course, the horses were suffering. Um, the effects of that. So we wanted to help improve the welfare of the the working equines through introducing this program and hoping to change and shift attitudes and behavior towards nonviolence of the owners. Um, And so that's where the program really um, began. So we're working with that profile. Now we're actually working with disadvantaged youth, um, all of whom are victims of violence in one way or the other, um, certainly all are witnesses of violence and um, some of whom are perpetrators of violence. So we're trying to help them um, go down a better, more positive um, path in their life um, and be um, kept on the straight and narrow, let's say, and um, able to control themselves and not be uh, affected so much by the adversity around them and the bad influences that surround them because they live in, in very um, high-risk areas for, for the most part. So I remember what you told uh, me at the dinner table about the wives of these men that had helped you. Can you re- re- remember that story? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah no, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, so we had gone in to do the pilot cr- program with the aim to improve the welfare of the horses, but we also were hoping and kind of expecting to um, improve um, the the behavior of the men in their lives and the relationships. Um, But when we met with wives and mothers afterwards, we were really blown away by the testimonies that came back because um, they were saying that the men had not only um, uh, improved their treatment towards the horses, but they were no longer using violence in the home. Uh, We had some really extreme cases of women who were beaten on a regular basis who were saying that their their husband was no longer um, using violence against them and their relationship had improved, the communication had improved, and all round sort of behavior within the community had improved. And so that was really what influenced us and motivated us to go forward and then do two research studies um, to to kind of prove the effectiveness of of the program because when we heard those testimonies we thought wow we're we're really we're really onto something here you know 
Absolutely. So, um, Could yeah. you have ever imagined that, that you would have that? Well, I, I'd hoped, but we were focusing more on the welfare of the horses. And, um, it, you know, the fact that these women, they, they asked to come forward and speak to us and one of whom rarely would leave her house. And she insisted on coming and speaking to us and sharing her really, really impressive um, and um, dramatic story of how her husband used to beat her on a daily basis. And, and you know, the, they, they actually were asking us, you know, what, what did we do? And, and if we'd given their, their husbands and the, the men some sort of medication because they couldn't believe the change in them. <laughs> Unbelievable. And what are you teaching these guys? I mean, what are you doing to them to get them to change like this? Um, Well, we're basically helping them to stop in their lives, um, come to the here and now, be focused on themselves, their actions, their body language, their nonverbal communication. And then we use the horse basically with for the, you know, the, the instant biofeedback that they give. Um, so at the beginning of the program, I do a demonstration of the join up, um, which um, I don't know whether your listeners are familiar with, with yes, join up. Yes, yeah, great. So I think that grasps their attention from the very beginning, because then we say, okay, this is what you're going to be doing. And then we take them through a number of different exercises to help them observe their actions, to observe their attitudes, to observe their emotions. We break it right down to their breathing, uh, to the way they are transmitting themselves, the way they they communicate non-verbally. And because they are then teamed up with horses, they are absorbing the information it's it's like they're they're just pulling this information in intrinsically and they're learning through these embodied experiences with the horses and because the horse gives this instant feedback and it's a positive uh feedback so that basically if somebody learns how to control their body language and their breathing and their eyes and their emotions uh, the horse is going to respond positively and the horse is going to choose to be with them. And that's a very powerful experience for them. And so we work with um, the, the, tra- the participants who come and they have excessive energy and, and they have a tendency to be aggressive. And so we, we bring down their body language. We calm it down. We, we, we lower their energy. And those that are suffering and who are victims of violence, we raise their energy and we um, open up their body language and, and we um, encourage them to be more assertive and more confident. Right. And right. so they they act this and, and then they become this. So it's sort of faking it until they make it, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's about that fine line because, uh, you know, some need to tone down and others need to, you know, bring up their energy. And then they have this reward, uh, you know, instantly, which is, is really unique. I don't think that there's anything that comes close to that experience of, of being with the horse and the horse communicating with them. And, um, of course, trust is a huge part of it as well, that a lot of these kids uh, discover trust. And if the horse can take this chance to trust us, then why can't we take the risk to trust others around us? So they, so they develop more of a connection in life, connection with themselves, 
and more trust and and ultimately faith in life and in themselves. So it's it's incredible and we're surprised all the time that, that the impact that we're having in such a short space of time because a lot of violence prevention programs, they work for, you know, weeks and months before they see these dramatic shifts in attitude and behavior. But um, we work literally for like three days spread over a month and we see incredible and long-lasting uh, shifts in attitude and behavior towards nonviolence and improved self-esteem and this new sense of um, peaceful leadership. And then we have the follow-up program that we work with the champions who are the ex-participants to help reinforce what they've learned. And now mm -hmm. we're developing the ambassador program so that the, the kids who really are the ones who are have taken this, this, this message to heart go out and then they become um, the imparters or facilitators themselves of little courses that we're designing. So we're kind of in the process of designing the program to be uh, bigger and have more of an outreach at the moment. Now, so it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And what you, what you guys are doing, you know, obviously to those of us listening, it just sounds just like the most amazing thing in the world. Of course, you're a student at the Monty Roberts International Learning Center. You can learn all this join up stuff too. You don't have to go to Antigua to learn it from Katie. You can go to the Monty Roberts International Learning Center, montyroberts.com. Now, um, I am not the only one who feels like what you're doing is amazing. Some, oh, some woman gave you some award. Talk to us about that small award you received from some like not so important person. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that 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 really was the the motivation for this program because to be honest with you, that the award was um, because I I really had helped advocate Monty's message of nonviolence here, and we had organized a show down here in Guatemala and brought Monty down, and it had made a big impact, and it was quite a milestone, I, I'd say, in the in the path of towards nonviolence in, in Guatemala. It was, it was a big deal. And, and so, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, um, the queen had, I think agreed with Monty that, that she was going to award a number of horse people in Latin America for their efforts to reduce violence in the training of horses. And I was one of the lucky few. Amazing. Um, and so I traveled over to, uh, Windsor to receive the award in 2012 Katie, um, I have to ask you, that, do they give you lessons yeah. like this is what you're allowed to do, this is what you're not allowed to do? Oh, very briefly, you know, it was sort of in the hallway before we went out. <laughs> the, the, the assistant said, no, 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 that's not the way you curtsy. Um, so it was all of it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was, it was, you know, it was amazingly informal and and relaxed and and wonderful. You know, coming from a, living in a country where there are so many security issues and, and you see bodyguards everywhere and what have you. There we were, and and the queen was sort of accompanied by two elderly men in 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 um, in straw hats, um, and it was all you know as if we were in, at a garden party, um, which <laughs> wow. you know I just I think that's amazing. But um, when we were there, I spoke to Debbie and Monty, and I said, you know, I really feel that I didn't do enough to receive this award, but I have another idea. This is this this definitely is a really great idea, and uh, and so that's when I suggested, how about we introduce Monty's methods into a program um, that 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 strives to improve the welfare of the working equine and see what happens. And so that's when we went out and did the pilot program that I mentioned beforehand, and that really was the birth of lead up 
um, on that day in, in Windsor because uh, Monty said, go for it. And, uh, right. and, and I'd spoken to the brook and they said, go for it. So, so that's, that's when we started the lead up journey back then it wasn't and called lead up it wasn't called anything but it was it was the beginning of lead up yeah so um before we let you go because we've run out of time where can people find out more about lead up okay so lead up has a tab on the join up um web okay so it's join up.org yes and we also have another web page which is leadupinternational.org Okay. Which Fantastic. is a bit more focused on the work we're doing in Guatemala because we've actually launched this program in nine different countries now. Oh um, but the principal program is here in, in Guatemala. Um, and we have a Facebook page, Lead Up International, uh, which is a really active Facebook page. So um, through any of those, and, uh, and people can email directly to Katie, I'm K-A-T-I-E, Katie at joinup.org. Um, and, uh, we would love to hear from people who want to hear more information or want to get involved in, in some way. So fantastic. Thank yeah. you so much for doing everything you've Thank done you, again. It all stemmed from, from Monty and, and everything that he teaches. So you can go to join dash up dot org or Monty Roberts, uh, you know, just go to moneyroberts.com. You can find out anything else you want to. Thank you, Katie, so much for coming Thank on. Thank you, Jamie. Lovely to speak to you. Lovely to speak to you too. Bye, Talk Katie. To you okay, take Bye-bye. care. Have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye. If we take a look it's- at the last couple of weeks, we have been around the world. Oh my gosh. And it comes, I mean, I'm telling you, that is what is so cool about being a student of Monty Roberts is the people you meet from all over the globe that his methods have affected. It's amazing. I mean, I, I'm talking to my friend in Ireland about going to Ireland. That's, That's right. incredible. Because right. now I have a friend in Ireland because she's a Monty Roberts instructor. So uh, very, very cool. And yeah, so we've been to Guatemala. We've been to India. We have been to Ireland. We've been to South America. I mean, my gosh. Oh, we started out in Dubai, didn't we? In Dubai. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. She was in traffic in Dubai. Yeah, she was stuck in a her. traffic jam in Dubai. <laughs> that's what we were talking to her. So, Well, uh, this has been a fun show. And Jamie, we're not going to talk to you again. You're off on Friday, right? You're flying out? Peace. I'm out. <laughs> you have a tremendous trip. You have a wonderful time. I know you will. And Bruce, thank you so much for stopping by. My pleasure, Glenn. Thanks for letting me come up to Ocala and spend the morning with you pleasure and your to listeners. Meet Likewise. And, me. and uh well and uh, give out your website again. Yes, nhte.net. It stands for Now Hear This Entertainment. In fact, I thought if your listeners want to send an email to me and say, number one, I heard you on the Horse Radio Network, that would be fun. But, you know, maybe if there's a certain genre of music that you like to listen to, you can just send an email to podcast at nhte.net and say, I heard you on the Horse Radio Network. I love listening to whatever, to country music. Should to- I start singing Rihanna right now? <laughs> <laughs> And I can send you back a list. With, I don't think uh, he's going to have you on after that. To I be can honest. send you back a list with uh, recommended episodes that would fit the genre of music oh, that that's you cool. listen to. So either go to nhte.net and hit the contact page or just write to podcast at nhte.net. And as I said, you can listen to the show there and you can also just find the icons there if you'd rather go over and get it instead from iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, or TuneIn Radio. Very cool. Well, Jamie. Must be love on See, I knew the that. Was coming. I just knew that was coming. 
Jamie read chapter 10. Of course, we're doing The Opium Equation by Lisa Waisaki. Every Wednesday, we read a new chapter. And I had a little birdie told me we finally get to a dead person. I don't know. We're going to find out in just a minute. But Lisa Waisaki is also filling in for you on Friday and Monday. So she'll be here. Aww. Wendy is next Wednesday, be filling in. And then next Thursday, we are, uh, we are actually coming to you live from Lexington, Kentucky. We'll be at the Certified Horsemanship Conference doing a live show from there. And apparently they have like 12 trainers lined up to talk to us. So it's going awesome. to be a and lot Glenn- of fun. Let me tell you, on Monday, have Lisa record Chapter 11 so you get to have her read it on Wednesday. That's a good idea. I know. I'm full of good ideas. That's a really good idea. You're welcome. All right. Here we go. And you have fun, Jamie. Bagner to Gallup, everybody. Have a good one. The Opium Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Waisaki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund. Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher Cool Titles for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawaisaki.com. Chapter 10 The morning's cloudy skies fulfilled their promise. It began to rain as I raced up Glenda's front steps and across the porch. Exactly how I was going to confront Glenda and what I was going to say, I wasn't sure. I had no time for thought, though, as I knew Glenda took suggestions about as well as a mud fence. However, I was determined to give it my best try. With a deep breath, I tucked my resolve close to my heart and knocked on her impressive front door. Several times. With no luck. The rain was coming down harder every second. Maybe I thought if she was in the back of the house, she couldn't hear. So I trotted around to the back to the door that led into the kitchen. Here, there was only a small overhang and above the door, and I quickly became soaked. Maybe she wasn't home, but I thought it was more likely that she was avoiding me. Glenda wasn't going to like my coming over unannounced. Unannounced guests denied Glenda the satisfaction of letting people know she created time for them only under extreme hardship on her part. And when she came to the door, if she came to the door, Glenda was sure to tell me she was too busy to see me now and that I'd have to schedule an appointment with her at a later date. Considering Glenda's manners, I wouldn't put it past her to comment unfavorably on my now soaking wet attire and muddy boots. Anything to make me feel inferior. But I wasn't going to feel inferior, no matter how she treated me. This time I was going to give as good as I got. And in the meantime, I was getting wetter and wetter, and she still wasn't answering. I banged harder on the back door, a little too hard maybe, because it slipped open. Apparently nobody but me locks their doors around here. Oh, well, guess who's here? Glenda, I called. It's me, Kat. Sorry to barge in, but I got to talk to you. There was no response. The door opened onto a large square kitchen that featured a real brick floor and textured lemon yellow paneling. The appliances were dated, but fit perfectly with the room. I wondered if Glenda brought them in or Hill had left them when he sold the house. Mindful of my muddy boots, I moved drippingly ahead towards the front of the house to the fully restored dining room, calling Glenda's name. By antebellum standards, Fairbanks was not a large home. It was originally built in an L-shape in 1857, with each room approximately 15 feet square. The kitchen that I'd just come from, though, was not part of the initial structure, having been added in the early 1900s when some Henley ancestor discovered the luxury of indoor plumbing. 
The attached laundry bath and storage room had been the pantry and was almost the size of the kitchen. The remains of the original kitchen, which had been detached from the house, now served as the floor of the patio just outside the back door. The dining room ahead of me featured a perfect reproduction of the original red wallpaper flocked with a profusion of leafy gold flowers. The large dining room table was made of a polished gold wood, possibly a match to the yellow poplar that had lain in the floor in the last 150 years. Glenda was very proud of her 150-year-old floor, so proud, in fact, that she had chosen to cover most of it with a thick red and gold oriental rug. For protection, she'd once told me, polished wooden chairs with red brocade seats matched the curtains in the floor-to-ceiling windows that surrounded the table. Architectural Digest had praised the room as a masterpiece, but altogether, it was a bit too intense for me. Still calling her name, I figured Glenda was either not home or she was hiding. The way I screeched, no one could miss that I was here. To the right of the dining room was the entrance hall. Here, the polished floor was bare for all to admire. A narrow but beautifully curved staircase rose from the right of the entry hall to a balcony on the second floor. And from the one time I'd been up there during the party Glenda threw when she opened the house, I knew there were three bedrooms, two of which shared a full bath, along with one plush master suite with oodles of closet space and a jacuzzi tub in the adjoining bath. I thought that if Glenda was home, she probably was upstairs, but I felt uneasy about um, invading her privacy that deeply. But what the hell? I was this far. I might as well see this through. Better finish downstairs first, though. The living room was across the hall to my left and was dominated by photos of Glenda. Small candid shots in silver frames sat on the desk in ornate antique tables while larger poster-sized publicity shots grazed the white lacquered walls. The sitting-down kind of furniture was bright and soft and modern, and the antique floor was once again uncovered. It was an unusual contrast, but it worked well with the high-molded ceilings and the large marble fireplace. There was something strange about the fireplace, but I couldn't figure it out at first. It was a two-sided affair located to the right of the room next to the wide, open passageway that led to a den. I knew if I went into the den that the fireplace would look exactly the same in there as it did from here. Well, not exactly. I looked at the hearth carefully from across the room, Looked away, then back again. Then the bottom dropped out of my stomach and my mind twisted with horror as I realized a hand was reaching out from the front of the sofa near the fireplace. A very still hand. What the hand meant didn't register right away. My heart thumped for all it was worth, but I stepped closer struggling to force order into my brain. I tried to understand exactly what it was that I was seeing. Long moments passed before I realized the intricate marbling of the fireplace was, in fact, dried blood. Long moments passed while I stared at the mutilated body that lay on the stone hearth. Glenda's body. Longer moments passed before I realized that Glenda Dupree had been brutally murdered. I staggered back into the entrance hall and collapsed on the magnificent curving staircase. The room spun uncontrollably as I puked violently all over Glenda's 150-year-old floor. <laughs> 